Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. I'm Vince Leo. I'm the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoy the review that you're about to hear. If you do, I do encourage you to go to my website and check out all of my written work. I'm approaching 4,000 written reviews, and you can read them there anytime. I've been doing film reviews since 1996. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R. Net. You can also find more of my podcasting work at the In Session Film Podcast. I'm on the Extra Film segment along with J.D. Duran and Brendan Cassidy. Go to InSessionFilm.com for all the details on that. As you can tell, my voice is a little bit strained right now. I've been dealing with a nasty cough. In fact, I've been dealing with it for the past month and a half, but it comes and it goes, and my voice is in the state it is today, but it's not too bad, I hope. Today, I'm going to be looking at Manchester by the Sea. It's one of the key films this year. It's being touted as one of the Sherlock's for a Best Picture nomination this year, so definitely worth checking out. It's a drama, R-rated because of language throughout and some sexual content. It runs two hours and 17 minutes. The main star is Casey Affleck. It also features the work of Lucas Hedges, Kyle Chandler, C.J. Wilson, Michelle Williams, Anna Burishnikov, yes, the daughter of Mikhail. Gretchen Maul is also in the film. The director and the screenwriter is Kenneth Lonergan. Originally, Kenneth Lonergan was supposed to be just scripting this film. It was from an idea that was pitched to him by Matt Damon and John Krasinski. Matt Damon was intended to direct this film, but he had spent so much time working on The Martian that it ended up going to Kenneth Lonergan to direct. This is his fourth feature film, and in my opinion, his best film. Take that for what is worth as we get into this review. This is a drama. It concerns this contentious Boston suburb janitor named Lee Chandler, played by Casey Affleck. Lee is working with very little joy for a very meager wage in a very basic one-room abode in Boston. And it turns out that there is a reason for Lee being very anguished at this stage of his life, and it has nothing to do with not living up to his potential. What we learn throughout this film, I won't spoil too much, we learn more about it as the film plays out, but Lee is prone to getting into fights, especially at the local bar. He's resistant to making any kind of emotional connections, which means there's no women in his life. And in general, Lee is a person who's very wrapped up in trying to suppress his own thoughts and feelings. He's very inward thinking. All of his waking hours are spent dealing with those emotions internally that he has very little energy to expend in trying to deal with the needs of others around him. And so in short, Lee is a man who's in grief. He hasn't really dealt with it head on and he actively avoids anything that might push his mind toward those notions. He's just not ready, willing, or able to deal with it at this time. Kenneth Lonergan is the writer and director. As I mentioned, this is a very heartfelt drama. It's told in a chronologically jumbled order, so it's a little bit out of order the way that we find this film. Sometimes it's not always apparent where you are in the story until a few moments into certain scenes, so you'll have to stay on your toes to keep up with it. This is about a man who comes to terms with a troubled past, as well as being thrust into this position of guardianship with his teenage nephew, Patrick. He's a guardian because, and this adds more fuel to Lee's fire, Lee loses his older brother, Joe, played by Kyle Chandler. Just coincidentally, Kyle Chandler has the same last name as his character, Joe Chandler. So with that loss of his older brother, the only person that Lee is connected to that might actually understand what he's going through at this stage of his life is gone. And Lee desperately wants to remove himself from anything that's going to rekindle his past, 
And that means having to get the hell out of that small town where his brother Joe lived, Manchester by the sea. He gets his house, he gets his son, and he kind of feels he has to stay there, but he wants to coerce Patrick to come back to Boston. But Patrick only wants to stay more entrenched in his own extracurricular activities that help him keep his mind occupied enough to deal with his own grief for the recent loss of his father that he also is not ready to deal with head on. Now, Manchester by the Sea excels as a drama for many reasons, but I think the one main one is the rich level of detail that's brought to the story that makes it feel very authentic. There are moments like a passenger that's in a car who's trying to get out while it's still moving, or there's this other scene where this a character is dealing with having to try to put back piles of meat that's been piled up in the freezer back into it before they fall again. Those not only come from a level of detail and reality that's rare to find in a major motion picture, but they also, when you think about them in retrospect, they happen to fit in very well thematically to the mind state of those characters at those times. Now, Lee tends to be very withdrawn into his own thoughts to the point where he actually misses some of those potential issues that may face those around him, which, as the movie plays out, is very indicative of many of his own problems that occur to him in this very vicious cycle of depression that he's going through. Lee can't even tell when somebody's flirting with him. He misreads glances toward him from men in the room as signs of aggression, perhaps even of ridicule toward him. He, Whenever he decides to act upon them, sometimes with violence, they seem pretty senseless to us from outside appearances. But once you actually get to know the full story, all of those details come together to give us his inner workings without the need for his character to speechify them for expository information. I'm really surprised by how much information we get with so little information shown on the screen. And that's really key to Lonergan's adeptness at storytelling and uh, something he should get great credit for. Now, many of the accolades other than for Lonergan are going to no doubt be going to the performances at the heart of Manchester by the Sea, especially the star, Casey Affleck. He seems tailor-made to play this, this handsome but withdrawn character. I always see shades of a younger Alan Arkin in his performances. He's playing the lead role here, and he's playing it perfectly, this man who's proceeding through life that he's not really sure is really worth living. Michelle Williams is also in this film. I'm not sure if she's going to get an Oscar for her role because it's a very small role, but what a great performance she gives in the very few scenes she's in. She plays Lee's ex-wife, Randy. Her casting pays great dividends in those scenes because they were require her to impart a great deal of emotional information about her previous relationship with Lee in a very short amount of time, and it really does feel real. Her scenes, especially one of them toward the end of the film, linger with you long after the experience of watching the film, and I'll probably not forget one of the scenes she's in. The younger actor, Lucas Hedges, he's playing the uh, teenage version of Patrick. He also impresses in balancing the film out as the reason why Lee needs to return to Manchester to work all of his issues out. Even though it's painful to have to revisit those memories of his past with constant reminders of who he once was around him. There are quite a number of smaller roles in the film. Each of them are rich and lived in, despite the fact that some of those roles have only one or two lines for the actors to deliver. I think the only questionable casting decision in the entire film occurs. There's this cameo appearance from a well-known star. This star just so happens to have appeared in all four of Lonergan's features, so that's why that 
actor is here too. That's probably the only time that I was actually not absorbed in the rest of the film because it took me aback as well as many of the people in the audience that I caught a screening with. But it only lasts for a few seconds. You get right back into the absorbing story. So we're right back into the thick of things. And that's due to Lonergan's excellent pacing. He really sets the tempo well here. He has great use of music in this film too. Some of the music actually supplants scenes of dialogue. There's a scene in the church where a classical piece is playing and we just see people talking to each other in very slow motion and we get the gist of what's going on so well in that scene without having the need for dialogue at all. The music matches so well with the imagery and that I think makes Manchester by the Sea one of the better cinematic experiences of the year even though it's a drama. You know, dramas don't get a lot of credit for being cinematic. This definitely does draw upon a lot of cinematic technique to to give you the emotional content of this film and it does it really well. Lonergan's a very good director. And so even if we didn't get Matt Damon here, it probably is to the film's benefit because Lonergan delivers this film in a way I don't know that anybody else would have delivered it and does it impeccably. Now, while Manchester by the Sea is a drama at its core, I think Lonergan here is drawing forth a number of humorous moments interspersed through this film, but it's not really contrived humor. It just happens to be the follies of life. We feel that these characters are very real, so if something silly happens to them, we get some of that humor. We can laugh with them at the follies of life, even though a lot of things befall them that happen to be very serious. I think those moments of humor don't diffuse the drama in this film. In fact, I think that they enhance the film because it makes it feel very realistic because life is a lot of humorous moments. It's also finding humor even in the darkest of times, sometimes as a coping mechanism. So I think that that works well within the movie here because you might be hearing that this film is a sad movie or a downer. And I would say you should probably take that to heart in a certain respect, but don't let that dissuade you from seeing this film. This is an honestly realized drama. It has a lot to say about love, about loss, about grief, about the difficulty of maintaining connections through tragedy. And it's a very astute and textured one at that. I think that if you hear that this is a tearjerker, I think that that is very limiting to what this film is really all about. That is a misnomer to me. Go into this film. It's a great drama. It has a lot to say on many levels is very multi-textured. There are a few better films this year, not only this year, but in this decade. In fact, I haven't seen La La Land at the time of this recording yet, but if La La Land is better than this film, I would say La La Land would have to be a masterpiece because this film is fantastic, currently number one on my favorite films of the year. Manchester by the Sea is going to get four stars from me. Four stars on my scale out of four means that I think this is an excellent movie. I think everybody should go out and see it. It's outstanding. I can't say anything more about this film without just going into another 10 minutes of describing everything I love about it. Just go out and see it. I think it's well worth watching. And if you do see it and you enjoy it and you want to talk about it, I always am happy to talk about any of the films I do podcasts for. You can go to my website, quipster.net, and find my contact information, qwipster.net. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies.